0: Hello, cyclocross friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 204 of Cyclocross Radio. On today's show, it's another media pit with Zach and Michael, and we're getting into it. We got we got another episode where we have to focus on beef season between Wout and MVDP, and then we move over talk to about the uh, Berengen race that happened and the Burn race that happened. It's a chock full hour of cyclocross goodness. And it's brought to you by Willa's Kitchen and Willa's Oat Milk. Go to willaskitchen.com, enter the offer code CROSSHAIRS20, and you're going to get 20% off of your first order of Willa's Oat Milk. It's the best out there. It's the creamiest out there. It uses the whole oat. Certified organic, non-GMO, also vegan, also damn tasty. Willa's Oat Milk, williskitchen.com Crosshairs20 is your code. While you're shopping for oat milk, you may as well also be shopping for coffee and the coffee you want to pick up is from Grimp Your Brothers. You can get the Hello Cyclocross Friends blend. Uh, It's available at our website, wideanglepodium.com Just click on the link there and Dan will hook you up with the best coffee in the business while you're at wideanglepodium.com. You can check out the shows like Criterium Nation, Consummate Athletes, Slow Ride Podcast, The Gravel Lot. You can check out Nowhere Fast. Uh, That's what Zach's been spending his other time on when he's not on this show. And you can become a member, and that would be awesome. It helps us out a lot. It helps us to continue to put out all of this content. Finally, get over to the YouTube page, WideAnglePodium.com slash YouTube, or check it out, YouTube.com slash WideAnglePodium. Either way, it's going to get you to the same place. You can check out the new Heat check. Check out all of Little Guy's previews that he's doing. There's new content every day up on that site for you to enjoy Become a follower there, like all the videos, and then we can do even more. Episode 204 of Cyclocross Radio, we're in the media pit. And we're going there right now. We are back in the pit. Michael, how's it going? Just just skirting around,
1: you know, trying to try and tiptoe around the the news of the day and make sure my camera is off um i don't i don't know bill sorry i thought i didn't i wasn't prepared for this hi i'm doing great
2: glad to be here zach would you like to steal what uh, what race was this weekend um Michael, you're not you're not exactly burning it up with those puns here.
1: I I, I was not going to go there. I felt like I used that four times last year. I said we said heating up last week. Look, I said tri tip and I said skirt. Aren't we getting
0: into some beef? That's a good that that one right right over my head. So yeah, okay. Um, it is it is it is beef season, Zach. We have we have we we had the ultimate. I'm not even gonna say conclusion, just continuation of beef season at at Flanders. And if anybody listening had listened to previous conversations of our Wout versus MVDP discussions, you knew that there there was a split that 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 Zach and Michael both firmly in Team Wout's corner, me being left out here on my own, with Team Vanderpool, I need some backup. I needed some support. So, you know, I had to throw up the bat signal and, and, and pull in the super rookie to save me. What's
3: up, guys? <laughs> How you doing, Zach? You feeling okay? Do you need a shovel to keep digging into that
2: hole? Well, How come you on. Let's be, it's not the bat. It's not the bat signal. Like, calling Tim is like calling one of those rickety old bullpen cars. That's, that's about all I'm going to grant you, okay? I'm sorry.
1: You didn't, you, didn't pull, you didn't throw up the bat signal. You pulled out
3: the mat signal, right? Matt you. Wow. Like, I'm wow. so happy I'm only on this podcast for a few minutes just to come in here and just point <laughs> out the dominance of Matthew Vanderpool over Wout Van Aert. Hey, Bill. Yeah. Would you say he dusted him in the sprint?
0: You know, I was listening to the to the Slow Ride podcast earlier, and and those guys were giving you a hard time for your description of how much Vanderpool destroyed Wout at the end of that race. I, you know, just crushed him. Yeah, absolutely dusted.
3: Yeah, it. it was a sizzling steak fest there. I was absolutely um, stoked by this victory, Zach. I have. It's been pretty quiet, radio silent, if you will. Are you doing okay?
2: Oh, from me, yeah. Oh, I—I I mean, really, honestly, I posted this on Twitter. I feel like this was, was inevitable. It's the year of Wout. I mean, Matthew Mat- Mat- has owned him his entire career. So even during like the pinnacle of you know Wout's career so far, of course, of course, Vanderpool was going to win. Was going to win Flanders. I just feel like it was inevitable.
1: Well, I mean, look at it. Like, I mean. Uh, Wout won the first monument of the year, so it makes sense that Vanderpool is going to win the, the the ending monument of the year, and therefore sort of bookend, right? I mean, like you know, Vanderpool won the first World Championships since the Cyclocross, and then Wout went on a string of three,
3: and then Vanderpool came back. So it's all it's all in canon, so, guys. It's the <laughs> I uh, let me just throw this in here: Matthew Vanderpool and Wout Van Art. It's just those two. We don't need Alaphilippe trying to join the party. I don't even know Alaphilippe's history of doing cyclocross. I'm assuming it's horrible, judging by his inability to stay on his bike. But I will say, Wav Van Aert was a perfect Robin to the Batman that was Matthew Vanderpool.
0: <laughs> I, a couple of things. First off, you, you saw Alaphilippe race live at worlds in louisville so that's that's the first thing and um
3: (laughs) (laughs) i was busy planning
0: the foam party which
3: he didn't come to which is the start for why not a fan
0: here's 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 my question tim and and i'm I'm gonna steal uh uh, Bodie's thunder on this He, he he put out this great um analogy that uh when when Vanderpool shows up in the white shorts that that's like Tiger wearing red on Sundays. So my question for you is Wout Phil Mickelson? <laughs> Wout is Kevin Costner in Tin Cup. You <laughs> 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 just
3: can't close the deal.
1: Oh wow yeah no Wout's definitely not Phil. Wout Wout is a lot better than Phil is um yeah, I mean, I don't know if, if we're comparing Vanderpool to Tiger Woods. I hope he, um, you know, keeps things straight for the rest of his career, uh, and no, no shanked uh, seven irons through the back of his uh, car.
0: Go, going uh, back to, to to Kevin Costner though, what I see is like wout with like the power cranks on, and they're just both <laughs> like down at the same time. and He's just trying out everything to try to try to get that advantage, get that get that mojo back.
3: Yeah, and Matthew Vanderpoel did look across to Wout and said enough with this Sunday stroll and crushed him in the final. I mean, arguably the greatest 20 minutes of a final 1K of all time, Bill. <laughs> As you said, it was glorious. I was nervous because I saw Christophe coming.
1: Well, look, I mean, we didn't have Rube, but we did have that track finish. Um, <laughs> so we got about a little bit of that. Uh, but Tim, I want to ask you... Yeah. Um, Lot, a lot of, lot of buzz on Twitter about this, this hug that happened that we didn't see in the live stream that some photographer had. So, Tim, do you think if Vanderpool wins, and I'm still in Bill's buzz here, does he go for the hug with Wout?
0: Uh, oh, sorry. sorry no, sorry. If, if, Wout if,
3: if, if, if Wout wins. Does, if Wout sorry,
0: wins. If Wout wins, does the conciliatory hug happen? No. Why?
3: Because Matthew Vanderpoel is a stone-cold killer.
1: <laughs> I agree with that. I agree with that. I think that plays into what we've talked about. The, the coach's son versus yeah.
3: upside, So the wild thing. Well, I, would, I just like to think that he is the Iceman. That is Matthew Vanderpoel. The, the thing that I knew he was going to win was during race day, during the race, the Twitter photo happened of Wout and Philippe. Fist bumping on the start line. No. Right in front of Matthew Vanderpoel. What was Matthew Vanderpoel doing? Eyes straight ahead. Because he knew he was going to dominate on the greatest classics of all time. Zach, I'm sorry. Michael, I'm sorry. You guys can jump on the bandwagon any time, But
0: um, I'm out of here. Bye, Tim. I- I'm glad I got my back up for as, as um, short a time as it was. I think that pretty much put an end to, to who you would pick for your team first. Uh, and that would be uh Vanderpool. But Michael, wait, what, wait, wait, what
2: based on one race and like just Tim coming in here. Come on, man. I mean, I know he's persuasive with, you know, his Timisms, but man, you're just, that's a bold statement. That's all I got, man. Okay. That's all I got. All right. So Michael, uh does this
0: put an end to beef season? No, not at all. Uh, I think,
1: beef season it's a beef era I mean like so <clears throat> people were talking about the hug and does this squash the beef and I don't think they're I think the beef with with wow and Vanderpool I think they respect each other I think even you know wow posted about on Instagram they both drive each other to you know strive harder and, and go harder so like it's gonna continue on like this is we are in for, like, I don't know, 10 more years, hopefully, of amazing rivalry. And I think it's just kind of getting started on the road. So, it's not over. We can be respectful. We can hug. You know, we can disagree and not be disagreeable. Um, but, yeah. All right. Uh, tacos come springtime. So,
0: Zach, you know, we talk about, you know, one of the, the things that we were arguing about was, like, who's a better tactical racer, Wout or... Matthew. And and for this it really it was like you know, as as much as honestly, you know, we can joke about it, but as much as it sucked that Aliph Lee took himself out on the back of a moto, uh he he was the one that got this started. You know, he he basically got the party started. He drew both of them out and then to be honest, I'm glad it was just the two of them because who know it would it just it would not have worked out as smoothly with him. It would have been fun to watch also, you know, in a in a alternate universe to see what that race would have looked like. I believe it would have been a lot more chaotic because it would have been just 18 different leap attacks by the time they they got to the end. But my question for you, we're talking about tactics and we talk about that last kilometer, and you're like, okay, well, Vanderpool is trying to, you know, be a tactical racer here. But was he really? I mean, it still was just like, all right, I'm going to sit here and we're going to stop and we're going to get to 250 meters and then just sprint all out. It, it basically was like uh, we're just going to roll up to the line here and see who's faster. That was that was his tactics again, which it is every
2: race. Yeah, and I mean he had he had the snap to get that early. The early gap, too, in the sprint. I mean, that's kind of what we expect from him. And I think that's why you you kind of lean towards picking him as doing the spectaculars. We see it in cyclocross. We've seen it on that attack at that, whatever that race he was doing. Like, he just has that, I don't know, like the, those the, long legs. The, the, and the that Bink, bink
0: Bank bink and Mount Trashmore attacks.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, just the, the ferocity with which he attacks. And it seems like in that sprint, he kind of got the jump on Wout, and Wout made it. I mean, it, it was pretty close at the end. I know Tim was being kind of facetious, um, you know, but it was a game of inches at the end, but you know, Vanderpool had, he had the jump. (laughs) Well, I mean, I think, I think, you know, I think that Vanderpool
1: played it tactically right for being put on the front, you know, obviously, for the most part, if you're in the sprint, you want to be behind. I mean, but t- so what Vanderpool did was slow it down, so that Wout actually the jump is harder to get around because Vanderpool is still in the front at that point, and so he can jump from the front and be ahead of Wout. And you know, Wout put in the effort and, and almost almost got him. So you know, if Wout would have started that sprint from the front, maybe he would have maybe he would have won. But I think that I think that Vanderpool. You know, we we've made these comments that is Vanderpool the most. Tactically proficient. Obviously, he's an amazing bike racer. He's one of the best in the world. So he he knows how to race his bike. He's been doing it since a kid. So I think this sort of shows that you know what he does have a lot of tools beyond just that brute force. And you know, it was a hell of a finish. And you know, one thing I want to say about that that the finish line slow mo that we saw was it was it was the the perfect. You just freeze it like right after the finish, after they cross the finish line. It was a perfect example of like wow. And Vanderpool, and you had you had Vanderpool with like the sunglasses still on, stone cold killer face, winning the race. You had Wow with a just like absolutely gutted himself, emotion like coming out of his eyeballs, you know, just gasping for air. He's a rider that would just like wears his emotions on his sleeve, and I thought it was a perfect encapsulation of their rivalry and just the way they race, and and, and it was amazing. I loved it.
0: The um, professional sprinters on. um yeah, I believe probably professional cat three sprinters on the internet were telling me that uh Wout screwed up his uh his gear choice in the end. Any any oh. uh any any <laughs> any um, analysis of, of uh how he shifted throughout that sprint? I think it's amazing that they can tell what gear they're using these days.
1: I mean that but no, I th- I think it's Wout and Vanderpoold know what the fuck they're doing. And yeah, no. Yeah, I have nothing to say to that. <laughs>
2: I wanted to I wanted to comment on the beef a little bit. I mean, I think, you know, for me, I think writing about it and talking about it. I don't know. I felt like I was being kind of facetious about it. I, I think, you know, I pointed out when I wrote about it that I think that it was like last week was pretty emotional for them, and I think in a lot of ways they got the they let their emotions get the best of them, both of them. <laughs> so I don't know that it's actually. Beef. I mean, I think you saw after the race, you know, wow, congratulated Matthew and there were no hard feelings, at least in that moment. Like, you know, he had the ability to tip his cap to, to the guy who bested him. And he said as much in the, the post race interviews, he said, no excuses. I'm not gonna make any excuses. Like he was the better man today. And he beat me. Um I don't know. I just I feel like if there was actual beef <laughs> of the kind that we're used to seeing, like I think that there wouldn't have been I, I don't know, there would have been more hard feelings cuz that was, you know, it's Flanders, it's emotional like, you know, Wout's the Belgian and he let the Dutch interloper beat him and <laughs> um the sub topper is some people were calling him cuz it was the first non uh world tour rider to win flanders and since 2013 was it? it is a while yeah just
0: a just an upstart conti rider you know getting his break <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah so i don't know we'll, we'll we'll see we'll see if the the beef has some juice but i mean i think that we'll definitely see the rivalry and you know for wow like he's going to be thinking about that sprint uh, probably every night for the next six months <laughs> potentially not 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 365 days because uh, we may be back at Flanders uh, in April or whatever. So we'll we'll see. But I think he's going to be thinking about that every night.
1: Well, you know what, Zach? It's interesting because you wrote a column, was it earlier this year? Or was it last year about Wout wow, being a nice guy or cyclocross is very nice and, and not so much interesting. And I thought we really had that interesting stuff happen this last two weeks. And um, I see what you're saying. I, I think, you know, right, I don't think they like, want to punch each other after a race. But I can't, I, I, you know, like I, I imagine that Vanderpool is very driven by getting beat by Wout in road races. Like that inspires him.
2: Well and I have to say too, I mean, people were <laughs> rightfully so, thanks Tyler and Tim and everybody who was texting me and tweeting me and stuff and talking shit. I mean, I think it's been more inter engaging for us as fans. You know, I do it facetiously you know, I think this this has been facetious. We just had Tim on and I just see, you know, for us, at least as US fans, like it's like, yeah, you kinda have to pick a side and we have teams to root for instead of just being like, Woo, yeah, Cyclocross, we're like talking shit to each other and i think it's it's like super fun i I think it's made it more fun for us as fans even that these two are going at each other and we've kind of decided that we're going to pick sides i kind of love it
0: yes i'll i'll take either of those guys but Vanderpool first should we get
2: into actual cyclocross are we going to talk about beef of a different kind Special sauce
1: on your on your hamburger.
2: Perhaps a Big Mac with the <laughs> special sauce. So what? Saturday
1: we had Barrington. Can we talk about this venue? Yes, please. I'd like to know what. What you think. is what is it? Is it a reservoir? Like I, what?
0: It, I called a, it. I, I wanted it? to call it Springfield Cross
2: because of the nuclear reactor behind. Isn't it like, isn't it like tailings from a mine or something? It's like an old, in, it's kind of like a uh, It's kind of like this old industrial site and it's, yeah. Um, I remember covering it, it last year. Did you, did you like it? I kind of thought it was a cool course. It was unique. I
1: liked that course. I think it, I thought it was awesome. I was, you know, just, just you go up and you go down and that's it and it reminds me it seems to me in my new
0: experience of a world cup mountain bike race sort of he, um, let me ask you this is there any part of that course is there any uh, the, the, the 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 premier feature of that course for me does it remind you of any other famous cyclocross track
1: Um, I can't, no, it, I mean, I, I over,
2: have, overall it had a, I mean, how, except for the history and the cobbles, how is it really much different than Copenberg? I mean, it's a climb, and I mean, I, I know that's probably sacrilegious because climbing the Copenberg is, is sacrosanct, but I mean, it's kind of like an up and down without the holiday and the fans. And I'm,
0: I'm going to go, I'm going to go more sacrilegious than that. As far as cyclocross goes, when you come in on a long Straight, and then you have this sharp uphill left-hand turn that it took them all race to figure out how to ride, it was like a little mini Zolder there for the beginning of that race. You know what I'm talking about? That first turn?
2: Yeah, the one that uh, t- uh, Tone biffed it, actually, on the first lap exactly. when, uh, when Ailey nailed it going on that wide line. And then, at least in the men's race, by the end of the race, they were kind of nailing that wide outside yeah. And it didn't prove decisive like we've seen, but yeah, Zolder, the end of the Zolder track. Um no, I, I like it. I um yeah, I don't I don't think that's necessarily sacrilegious.
0: So here's here's I guess we should start start with the women, sort of what uh you were alluding to Michael, Denise Betsima there's not really much to talk about with this race. I mean, she she got out front. Uh Inga Van der tried to stay with her for about a minute on this long 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 climb. Um you know, Alvarado and the rest of the favorites sat about 2 3 seconds back and were like, "Oof, I hope I hope she comes back to us." And um she never did. And and it was kind of over. And it was uh, and uh I- I- impressive show of strength over the best cyclocross racers in the world.
1: Right. And that was, yeah, it was kind of a shock to see her ride. I mean, well, I don't know, maybe not a shock, but yeah, she rode away. She got a gap on that. There's that first, like really hard off camber, where she rode cleanly um, and that's where she started building her gap. And we saw Alvarado mess up there. We saw like all the riders sort of not getting that correctly, and she rode it cleanly every time and then, you know, was climbing really well and just was able to just slowly build her gap. I I was I was shocked a little bit to see Primetime, you know, was not actually coming in for second until worse crashes. But I, you know, I looked on Primetime's Instagram, she goes just said like that was hard. So I don't know. Like if anything was happening there, but beefy. Yeah, definitely didn't have the snap
0: of of the week before, Zach.
2: Yeah, well, I don't know. So uh, I woke up on Saturday morning and I had multiple text messages uh, about this race. Um, I think that it is, you know, I guess we talked about on the last podcast, we have our fan hat and we've, I know, talked about as uh, media members and that's what we're doing. And, you know, I think, Bill, we just saw... With the most recent CX heat check, you know, Betsima is up to second. And so, I don't know, one of my friends asked me if we're going to talk about this. And it's like, I guess, as media members, like, I don't know what we can do except to treat her, you know, as a racer who's come back. Like, she was cleared by the UCI. And I know it's something that we're struggling with. And, you know, from our perspective, we we have our perspective as fans, but we're also kind of media members, especially when we're in the media pit. (laughs) Um, I I don't know. What are your guys' thoughts on how to address this? Because I think uh, it's pretty clear that she's going to be at the front of these races for the rest of the season, if not for several seasons to come.
0: I think the biggest thing is what, what we are grappling with is that in most instances, when someone gets caught doping, if they have an excuse or not, or if it was an accident or not, I mean, the rules, and we've litigated this before, the rules are you're responsible for what goes into your body. Doesn't really matter how it got there. If it's there, then you serve a, a two year to four year ban and she served six months. So I I think that's, that's where we're starting off as we shouldn't even be talking. If the rules are applied and I know there are people who support her and disagree with me, you can look at my inbox. I've, I've gotten your emails. Thank you. Uh, that, we shouldn't even be talking about her because she shouldn't be racing for another season and that she never really people, you know, there's an argument, well, she's doing this from the back of the, the field. I'm like, well, for one or two races maybe, but you know, next UCI rankings come out, she's going to be on the front row. So it's not really, that's really not holding her back. And anything that she may have accidentally gotten a performance gain from before, it's still a performance game. you know it doesn't it doesn't automatically disappear when you're when you're sort of still in the flow of it, where you never really take your foot off the gas, you know for for an extended amount of time. I've, you know, she she missed half a season, right? so that that, I think, is what we're having the bigger problem with. And then I think that the other part of that, and again, if this is an accident and she didn't mean to do this, she has to live with the fact that every performance that she has from a certain corner of the community is going to look, be looked at with looked at sideways that, okay, well, is she accidentally doing something now, you know, or, or what's going on. So I think, I think all of those things make it difficult as a fan and a media member to figure out how to best, Handle this, and yeah, on the on the heat check, you know, there was a good argument. I guess she could have been first, but I thought she should be second because you know, the champ still the champ until we have a a longer thing uh, going there. And I, I I still think that maybe Betsma came back a little early.
2: Yeah, so I know from my perspective, I was thinking about this, and I think there's a couple things at play. I think one, um, I just went back, I had forgotten which. Race She had actually tested positive at because I thought it was Kochsida where Burger Time was born. But that's not true. It was Hugerheide. Um But I was reading, you know, kind of the stories that were written about the time. And I think part of it, too, is the UCI was just so opaque about this whole thing. And I think it left everyone upset. You know, her supporters felt like she shouldn't have been given any suspension because she took a tainted supplement. The people who were like, wait a second, you're just issuing this ruling and then you won't say another word. So I think like the UCI could have handled it better given, you know, um, the way that the role that doping has played in the sport in the past. I mean, the other reality is like, if, if someone got popped, who was any other athlete, like we'd be like, all right, well, okay, you know, we could look and see that they had decent results when they were younger and maybe they cheated to get a little bit better. But you go back and she started racing cyclocross in 2016. And you're like, oh, you know, this this once-in-a-generation miraculous story or whatever of an athlete, you know, coming out of nowhere, you're like, oh, this might be too good to be true, and then this happens. And I think it's just hard to to avoid that in terms of <laughs> You know, the idea that there was this perhaps generational talent just hanging out, not racing bikes. And then all of a sudden, you know, in a year, really, she's at the top of the sport. So I think those are, I don't know, two of my reactions to why I think people have had like this visceral reaction. I think people I know here in the U.S. are very upset from a a fan perspective. um, And we've heard it from the riders, too um, you know, the, from the Anglosphere. Um, so yeah, I think there's a lot of different points and I kind of agree with everything that you said, Bill too. But, you know, from our perspective as media members, like we can't just say, Oh, well she tested positive once we we're going to leave her off the heat check or something. It's kind of the reality. Like, (laughs) you know, if she's there and racing, well, by the rules of the sport, we have to cover her.
0: Michael
1: i don't i mean I, yeah i don't i mean i feel like we did we did had we've had a pretty good dive in this last year, so i don't you know like i said i was i've forgotten about her when the season started and was shocked to see her again, and sort of i'm just you know I'm looking at the other riders to sort of make this a lot easier for us um so we don't have to talk about her as much um you know like so prime time you know i saw that Yara got a flat tire. She said that she got a flat tire right after the pit, so she had to go mm. uh, up and down and through the start with a flat tire. So I feel like maybe Yarcela Yarcela is gonna gonna save the day. You know, prime time. She'll get she'll get back at it.
0: The, the, um, the other part of it is what you explained with how she got away. It, it's unlike Castellane, who we think is is a is a great talent and a super powerful rider that can just put out tons of watts. Uh, Betzma's got decent handling skills. I mean, that's the, that's, that's the shame of it. Right. I mean, that's, that's the thing is that, like you were saying, I mean, she handled that, that track really well. She, yeah, she wrote it really. Yeah. She,
1: she is, it shows her, she does have the tech skills in that, in that course talk, going back to that venue, like I saw some comments on Twitter, which is pretty funny. It was sort of like, they don't do that in Europe. Like you couldn't get some of those corners in an American UCI, but like, It was, it was a super fun course to watch as a spectator and, you know, talking about the heat check and talking about the course, you know, you had Eva Lechner, I think making her first, you know, Euro cross start and really excelling on that course in, you know, she's the mountain biker, right? So it was, it's kind of interesting to see how that parlayed. And I did notice that she was pitting a lot. So, I was wondering if Eva's running a dropper. So, she's thinking of the pits at the top. So, she was pitting, getting the bike with a dropper post for the downhills because they were, they were, they, you could throw your ass in with a saddle on some of those. Um,
0: that would have been great. I don't know. That would have been great.
2: <laughs> well, yeah. And I mean, I guess, you know, along those lines, the race for second was a banger. I mean, we had four, I think it was. Four, four women in the mix and they were throwing down. I mean, Eva was attacking on the last lap and. Uh, yeah, it was super fun to watch. And I'm glad that they got a lot of camera time because uh, it was super enjoyable to watch. And also, yeah, I and guess talk, I watched talk it us after- through
0: that. Talk us through the, the run into the to the finish there. I mean, it was tons of drama there as well that that changed the outcome of the race.
2: Yeah, well, uh, morning. Well, actually, no, I was not. I was up doing a Zwift race, but I watched this on replay, and I knew that Worse didn't finish in on the podium, and she was leading the entire second half of the last lap. And I'm like, she must have crashed on like the last turn, and she tried to rail one of the last turns, um, and something in her shifting jammed. Um, and she, uh, yeah,
0: I'm thinking back of the times that I spent in uh, production trucks at uh, at cyclocross races. And you know they were just going nuts. They were like, the one place on the course we don't have coverage. The one <laughs> place that there's a tree, yeah, right? in front yeah, in front of our camera view. And I, I guarantee you, we come back to Berengen next year because she crashed basically behind this tree. It was the one place on the track you could you lost a view before they came into the finish. I'll bet that tree's gone next year. That'll be that's my <laughs> prediction. Or they've got,
1: uh, yeah, different camera. Do you guys do you think that this could be like? If you know, we get out of this alive. Like, could we just be a new World Cup course? Do you think it has that? I don't know. I just I thought I it like was it. such an entertaining so. venue that like it, it it has those features. I'm just surprised. Worst crash before the finish line where they had speed bumps. <laughs> I feel like maybe those will <laughs> have to get worked around.
0: Yeah, yeah. Should we move over to the men? Yeah, let's do talk it. about the uh, the the. Um the, the, the valiant effort of Don Sota? Don! Yeah, was, Don <laughs> was the mon! That was great to see. I feel like, you know,
1: we saw him moving up in the results earlier, so him just going out hot um, was awesome to see. He got a, got a good shout-out in the heat check bill, so I was, I was stoked to see that. I also just realized that Don Sota is the same age as Wout. You guys know that twenty six. Yeah.
2: yeah, I think Don finished on a podium at the World Cup in Waterloo one year. I remember interviewing yeah. him. Um, so I the, definitely one thing about this is you know there was the climbs and he went for it and I think you could see it was not a Batsuma situation because you could kind of see uh, Ailey and Tone just being like. That's cool. Um, But I don't know if you guys caught this after the race. Tone actually credited Don for his descending kind of when he helped him get a gap on Ailey because I was watching like Don was actually descending on the drops, which no one else, very few Euros do. I mean, we've seen Katie Compton do it and it's like her you know her trademark to descend on the drops but in the second lap tone was just like right on his wheel and i think he was kind of watching his every move and then you know don you could see him chatting actually and i kind of wonder if they're still friends from the telnet days sure uh because they were chatting and i'm sure don's like dude i'm 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 out uh because then that (laughs) next lap like tone put in a dig he kind of looked back and then he he's tone was nailing it and ailey was kind of weak on the descents like you could watch any corner and Tone was picking up a second on each
0: descent, but here, here was the thing that was really impressed with Tone. Yeah, and Don Don made it through about I think it was lap four, where everything okay, sort so it's yeah, yeah. Uh, it came apart. And the thing that impressed me about Tone was that you're right, and he, he was descending better at early at that part, but he attacked on the climb, like on that fourth lap, and it it's did. this this big like um, switchback climb, and you would think beat, You know, smaller guy, that's the guy who's going to do better on the climbs. But it was Tone was just putting in these. He'd come around each turn of the switchback and just crush it. I mean, just attack after attack. Got about two seconds at the top and then was able to, to rail that first, you know, fourth lap descent and get a couple more seconds and i think that's that really was the end of um any any real chase for him in that race
1: speaking of don sort of like having that that hard beginning and then sort of like ha- realizing he didn't have it i have a note that don took a gel during lap three i don't think
0: i've seen riders take gels for a especially when you have so no much. water to, to to sort of um you know wash it right? down
2: <laughs> yeah so it it seems like at the start of the season we're like oh boy like all right Naley is Lawrence Fleck elite in third I, I, the action recently has kind of been in that sub topper zone I think there's been a lot going on and we saw two names that we've seen before that we talked about a little last week but that are like maybe back like is Lars Vanderhaar back is Michael Van Torenhout back even before we get back get to those because
0: those are the ones I definitely want to talk to. I do want to give a little shout out to because I think he was listening, Zach. Quentin Hermans, beginning of this race, was definitely up there fighting it out, sort of like feeling it out, sort of getting back into that mojo. So you know it dropped down and then finishing ninth. dropped down to ninth at ninth. the end. But you know, he was definitely feeling things out at the front there for a while. So maybe maybe there's hope yet for uh, Quentin. But yeah, let's let's talk subtoppers. Uh, let's let's talk Lars Vanderhaar. Is he back? Let's talk. <laughs> is let's he, talk. Is seeing he, seeing him and Ailey race together and thinking, this looks like two normal guys out there. <laughs> I th- I <laughs> think I think is he back or is he just is he racing like Vanderhaar? You
1: know he gets these these moments of brilliance uh, through the season and you know fucking figures it out and how to ride. Uh, I mean, I, I think we this is something we didn't figure out in, in in between recording is is what is below subtopper and and i don't i don't feel like we've we've come to a good like phrase about what what is sort of
2: we got elite we got sub topper and then we got something midder midler midder submitter. Mid, yeah,
1: midder yeah we, we we still need to work on that um maybe any listeners have a, something something good i mean something good like sub topper
2: that's it gets a, a yeah. good
1: you know, it's you really can sink your teeth into that one. So
2: well, we established. I mean, I'm I'm standing by it. We've got the Verdon shot zone yep. for for the women, um, and she she finished sixth on Sunday. By the way, <laughs> I was like, yes, <laughs> comes true again. Um, I don't know. I'm making my bit. Is is Lars Vanderhaar back?
0: Yeah, here. Let's. That's, that's okay. my bit. Can we
2: go through a little Lars Vanderhaar history? Yeah, let's do that because I think people forget so how good he was. He, yeah. Well. Okay. Um, the results that he
0: got. <laughs> oh, you want the like, you want the full buy. Yeah, the full buy. Well, I mean, yeah. So you go back to heck. Let's go back to U twenty three. He's winning everything, right? I mean, he 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 is the man. U twenty three, uh, two thousand twelve, two thousand thirteen. This is what I was saying on the heat check. Is like, how did this guy get old? Um, <laughs> he he is still up there. He's starting to win. Um. Well, he won the Dutch national championships, you know, straight out of U23, I guess before uh, Vanderpool was, I guess he was probably still a junior. Um, and, and was up there every race, you know, uh, uh, super prestige, Hamazoga, uh, he's uh, on the podium, uh, Tabor, second place, you know, really just like the man at the top. If you go unto, up to when he had his last win,
2: It was, uh, well, he won Hoogerheide um, one of the years. Well, this would be last year. So
0: actually almost a year, October 22nd, last year, you know, smaller, racy too. Um, Since that time, a couple podiums here and there got second at Dutch nationals. Um, GP11, I guess, was his last podium, which is kind of a throwaway at the end of the season. I mean, that's late, late February.
1: Yeah, he's solid sub topper, yeah. or maybe below the sub topper. It kind of depends on how big of that range of sub topper. I mean, what do we
0: in today's environment, with Wout and Vanderpool not in the picture, you have Tone and Ailey, and I guess we were putting Sweck into the sub topper zone as were his. Um, countrymen since that's how the term came, came into my into my uh purview uh are we ready to put lars van in there i mean i don't i don't know do you think that lars can can like all
2: of a sudden hang with those guys come around and take a win in one of these races that's my point like is lars Vanderhart back is he a sub topper uh, I think we have a lot of subtopper candidates, and I think that's what's fun uh, about this second tier right now. Is watching the like Van Tornhout's the same way, solid subtopper, but then just disappeared off the face of the planet after he got that second place at Worlds. We're like, what happened? Like he's all of a sudden finishing like seventh and eighth, and we're like, this guy finished second. This guy beat Vanderpol at Worlds, um, so I like this. I think like I think trying to figure out the subtopper zone.
0: Is who, be who, fun. who, Michael? Who, who do you put? Who do you give a better chance to pull off a victory, Van Turnout or Vanderhaar? Um, well, Van Turnout won this weekend, but no Toon, no Eli. We're gonna I, get we're gonna I, get to that race. Let's let's keep with the when the when 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 the boys are so, all okay, on the if, in if the starting I, lineup. Between the
1: two Vans, I, I'm still I'm picking Van Turnout. I, I think that I've seen him dabble in elite eliteness sort of more off more nearer to, to the near to the present time than Vanderhaar. So yeah. That's that's my As pick. much
0: as I like Lars Vanderhaar, I'm with you. I'm the same. What do you think, Zach? I'm a big fan
1: of Spud. Sorry.
2: Yeah, I think that uh Van Tornhout has shown he has that like big race capability and especially I don't know if it's the right conditions for him that he can he can pull it off.
1: I think one of the issues with Vanter now though is he gets stuck in the in the easer beef. Like he sort of is like because of that team he's on, he gets caught sometimes in between and has to not attack or he has to attack. I feel like he's often playing because he's you know, he's not elite, he's not or he hasn't been lately, he's he's forced to do the donkey work sometimes, and that sort of is affecting his results.
2: Didn't we see him last year have some nice big efforts in service of Ailey? I feel like I remember he, we had some races where he just went bonkers in the first two laps in, when it was the... When, uh, I guess, Ailey was beefing with Tone for <laughs> Supremacy. That wasn't really the easier beef. But, yeah, he was being a very good... Um, yeah, fan turnout bus. It doesn't have the same. just doesn't have the same. <laughs> and
0: that, that always just... just always surprises me in in cyclocross that uh, are we are we making this up or does this really happen I mean we see them you know when we, we saw it last year when the is beef was like in full swing with SWAC when they were kind of chasing each other down um which just looked weird uh <laughs> and and that, that that's sort of like what I think we believe in with cyclocross and maybe it's the appeal that they really there there really aren't these team you know positions and loyalties but maybe there is and maybe maybe that's it i don't know or maybe it's just uh just you know strong personalities and that 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 you know road
2: captain mentality that you're just not gonna go up against the guy i don't know but it, but well, we saw it with uh cannondale domestically last year uh steven and curtis would take whomever you know alex morton or lane, lane who there, was riding well, around and it. they'd be like they'd be like lane just go tear Carrie's legs off and they would just calmly sit in there. Yeah. So, I mean, I think we've seen if you get the right mix, I mean, theirs was perfect. Right. And then it was like, whoever was stronger of those two would kind of get to be the alpha dog of the day. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think we're seeing in this, this team, it seems like we have about four teams ish that are shaping up um, on the Belgi scene. Maybe we'll, we'll see some more of that. You know, I, could we see Lars in service of tone? You know, or will Lars I mean, it seems like there's a big open spot for second dog on that team. You know, will he try to show that he can be the um I don't know, the Robin to Tones Batman?
0: Yeah, especially especially with guys like Van Kessel and and uh Ehrman's leaving, it 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 definitely Left a little bit of a a talent hole in there, but, but just quickly, uh, shifting over to the, to the next day at EKZ, Michael, it sort of goes a little bit in line with what we're saying in that Van Tornout comes into this race and he's got teammates there. He's got Tone Vanderbosch there. He's got Dieter Van Tornout there. Um, Couple, couple other guys uh, further down, but those guys were up, up near the front with him. But you go in there, you look at that team, and you're like, okay, you're the, you're the captain. You're, you're the, you're the best guy here. And he goes out and just sort of rides away from the field and and, and takes the win. So it was one varsity guy with the whole
1: JV squad that went to Switzerland. Yeah. Why the other varsity guy stayed home?
0: Yeah, which, which um. we even saw a little. Um, a little twitter activity about that zach where they're like okay is this uh is is should michael van twern be going to a subtopper race is is this fair <laughs> i mean that was interesting about this seeing some of these
1: the riders who went i mean on the women's side you know you had denise betsema you had some of the more front row riders go and so i was kind of wondering i was like you know i looked it up it's like eight hours away or maybe longer it's a it's a, it's a big distance you know for europe and I started thinking about points, you know, maybe because of the season and, and races being canceled that like Denise specifically is most definitely chasing those points, trying to get her, herself back to the front row. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's a good point because you look at the rest of these riders and yeah, it, the, in, at least in the men's, it does sort of shake out to that middle, middle, you know, below sub topper field.
2: Sub so middler. Two races in, these uh, these EKZ men's races have been bangers. I mean, I really appreciate it. Uh, thanks yeah, uh, to really. Christian and the folks over there who have been providing. I believe it's Christian, right? And it's, yeah, for, for providing these live streams. And it was an, a really good live stream. And, man, there were like, they were coming on that first straight. It was like a road race. There were like 15, 20 guys in the lead group one lap into this race, uh, which we should note is a former World Cup venue. They let them like ride right through the middle of the, the, the fountain or the water park or whatever this thing
0: is. It's, and then, Zach, um, go, go over the technique needed to go full speed, what, like 20 plus miles per hour through that thing, and then dismount on pavement to go upstairs.
2: So I know the pavement dismount is super controversial, which my team may or may not have used that at our race for the last several years, including once during the winter. Um, but yeah, it was, it was straight on. I was scared. I mean, it was, fortunately, it was straight on, but there was nothing to slow them down. It was just straight on dismount onto plastic shoes, run up these stairs. And then, yeah, thank God no one got hurt. I don't know. That's just, it's kind of scary. I mean, fortunately it was straight in and they are professionals, but I don't know that first contact and if there had been any moisture. Yeah. And then
0: finishing off, finishing off with the the men's race at burn van out. As I said, it wasn't really an attack anywhere. Just eventually he kind of kept his t- tempo and people couldn't keep up with him and ended up taking the win. The fun part was was the race for second, um, and, and it was a good one. I I think it's something like, Vincent Bastion's was up there, really on vanternout's wheel, I think, the most, but then ended up falling to either fourth or fifth place for a while, was able to fight his way back up there and came down to a um, two-up two sprint with uh, Philippe orts who, you know, I think this is, is this the first time we're seeing fleep out there or at least fighting fighting for the podium. And uh Vinny took him. Long sprint. Vinny outlasted him. Orts or sat about at about fifty meters. That's all he had.
2: I have to I just wanna interject here. Is there someone with is there a Midler who has gotten more coverage on this podcast than frickin' Vinny Bastions? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Vinny was, I mean, he got all that, that pr- pub at Rochester, and then we had the, the other EKZ race. And I, uh, Vinny knows how to do it. He's getting, his name is ringing out. Oh, yeah. He's, he's doing, the, he's doing the, the Indie Rock
0: grassroots tour, and, and he gets his, gets his name out there.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like, I mean, yeah, he's kind of like Ghost Vandermeer, but you know, having better results, he needs a stasher. or he needs like a thing, you know. Ne- next I, he year, he needs a thing. Next year, he needs to he needs to um, be on the second stage at Pitchfork Fest, and then he'll <laughs> <laughs> beautiful.
0: Uh, all right, uh, Kevin Kuhn. Coon um, looks strong. Seventh place. I don't know. Is that 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 where we're? I I kind of. Uh, had him doing a little better,
2: um, yeah. Well, he was uh, he was up there throwing punches. He yeah. was kind of the the animator because you were like, you look. A little, he's a little bit stockier than Quentin. But you're like, yeah. oh, is Quentin up there, but then it was like, oh no, that's that's Kevin Coon racing well um, at, at home. I always want to do this if there's any. I hate the Packers, but if there's any Packers fans, they had a fullback named Coon, and they would go Coon every time he carried the ball. So that's just what I think of when I hear Kevin Coon's name. He was first Swiss. So,
0: you know, he did have that going for him moving over to the women's elite, you know, pretty much a, a repeat again, a bit now Denise Betzma really just running away from, from this one. Great race by Magli Rochette uh, in second place. uh, a, a, Man and backer showing up doing it was pretty much Rochette and backer were racing together coming in third. Um, shot, even even in this race, you know, you got Nicole Kohler, who we talked about in the first DKZ race, who's um, yeah. you know, a, a younger Swiss rider, mountain biker, did, did came in fifth place. Uh, Sophie DeBoer saw her show up Anna Kay in eighth place, but but Laura Verdanshant, Zach, she's, she's just like drawn to the Verdanshant zone. What's going on?
2: I'm saying it's destiny. I mean, you look at where she's been finishing in the Belgian races and you would say, oh, maybe this is a chance for her to like, say, finish fourth or even maybe podium, perhaps. Uh, and maybe maybe it's a thing. I mean, there is that it does take something extra to get from that where you're finishing fifth or even fourth to get on a podium. I think it she's, she's really young. I mean, so that's the other thing is like, she came up super young. She's only 23, um, age wise. And so I think we at times forget like how young she is. Cause she's been around for so long. Um, and now thinking back, she was in. She finished fourth in the famous U twenty three women's race um, at Bielas in two thousand seventeen. Mm. So she was putting up good numbers. Um, and I'm guessing that she is the one that Colin Reuter, in his infamous prediction, heard round the world. Probably picked her to finish third um, because I heard you know that they said that no Americans were going to finish on the podium in that race. So I, I just I think we forget like she has this pedigree and she's been around and, you know, I know she bounced around and she had some issues with bingles. So I don't know, like maybe, I don't know. For some reason, I'm a fan. Uh, you know, she's rocking that, that Verdun shot zoned. And right now it's destiny and maybe she's young and it'll take her to figure out what it takes to, to move up the ranks and move into podium contention.
1: I mean, I think she was in podium contention. She was in a group of, of bore and uh, Boer and Anna K, but you had Claudian, or sorry, Perrine Clazel and Nicole Cola really sort of ride through that group um, and then then hunt for the podium. So I, I bet the Verdon shots, I bet Laura is wishing you had coined the Verdon podium or something. It says the Verdon shots. all Zach's fault.
2: <laughs> hey, man, this podcast, people listen, it, it, it makes things happen. What do we have coming up next? That's end. a good question. Uh, Kopenberg is on Halloween. Uh, is there a race this weekend? <laughs> I don't there is.
0: There is, yeah. Well, there's the uh, October 24 Estonian National Championship, Icelandic National Championship, Russian National Championship.
2: Slow Ride Pod will be going to that one. We've got Rudervord. Can either of you guys tell me anything about the course at Rudervord? All I- right. I, I can't remember. It. Is that I, the one with the sand at the end of the lap? Is that the one with like the really long, big hills on the side of the? I feel like the Roudevore is normally an early October super prestige, like perhaps the second one after Heat. Maybe this is the one with the sand. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, I, I guess it's not like a famed. Memorable venue. I it mean, is sand. so that's it is one the sand. thing that it is
0: a sand race for sure.
2: Yeah. Okay. So we talk about that, and uh, I mean, I think it's worth mentioning news that came up since our last episode. We're down to five World Cups, and not only that, uh, there's announcement that Belgium is closing its bars. I heard that they're shutting down their border with the Netherlands, um, and so you know, part of you know why some of these racers are maybe going to Switzerland is like we don't, we're really how much season is going to be, is going to happen? <laughs> I I mean, I, it I, seems not good. I guess
0: if they continue to do what they're doing with no fans there and, and saying these are essential activities, they will continue trying to push in as many races as they can. And I, 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 I know that, that just reading some of the Belgian press, there is such a, pushback on going into a full lockdown again and there is there is there is not strong political will to do that so i think in that mindset they will allow these races to continue now what does that mean for the borders i don't know are we going to see just because aren't they closing the dutch belgian border
2: yeah, that's what I heard. Right,
0: right. So, if 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 the
2: duchies can't get in, no no one else is either, right? Unless they're already living there. So another factor is th- I saw that there was an interview with the organizers of the world championships, and they're like, "So far, the city said we can do this, and we're going to do this." But they were like, "Unless the city gives us massive amounts of money, we can't do this." And we know right. we know how much it costs to host a world champ. Well, we have an idea of how much it costs to host a world championships. And that's part of what I'm afraid of too, is you don't have gate receipts. You don't, you know, they don't have the model that we have where you have participants pay. So like, where's this money going to come from? And I guess that's one thing that I'm concerned about because the UCI is still mandating that you do payouts and I'm sure there's the inscription fee and the amount that you have to pay for each rider and stuff like that. And so these are businesses. How are they going to, yeah. You know, a lot of or it's a small town or whatever that hosts fundraisers to put on the event. And if they don't get the gate receipts, how are they going to put
0: it on? And then from the, from the racer point, the other UCI announcement is like, as far as we can tell from now, we can't really say we're not going to have it. We won't know until three weeks out, which is just insanity for preparation and who's going to be able to, to show up for this thing, or you're going to make all these plans and then it's just going to get canceled three weeks out and you're going to be out thousands of more dollars in all those preparation costs so it's i don't know i i i hope that they have a, another milestone date that's more than three weeks out to to give people an opportunity to just know that it's not happening because michael is it happening
1: i don't know i i, I don't feel like i've been able to protect predict much this year um i mean i woke up today and, and there was the giro and the vuelta and a road race was on and I just sort of, I, I, I can't even keep track. So uh, I I think that like you say, Bill, I think that they are, I think we're going to, I think we're going to have these races. I think that I'm really wondering though, is like what's going to happen to our Americans, right. And our North Americans. And as, as like, we've already seen Carrie say no racing this year. Like our, I mean, more dominoes going to fall and like Magalie Rochette is over there. So I I feel like, she's going to try and do as much as she can, but at some point she might be SOL. Yeah,
0: it definitely seems like it will be interesting to see who still continues on there. More importantly, talking about sporting events and in the U.S. and not being able to predict anything, will will Zach and I be able to turn on the TV this Sunday and see you at the Saints game? (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) 3,000 people, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) unbelievable all right we're at an hour anything else we need to do to 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 close this one out oh
1: yeah i had one note from from behring uh so bill which which spice or sauce boy or sauce girl is ryan camp i forgot Uh, i believe ryan camp is posh spice sauce that that makes sense because i was gonna say that he should be sartorial sartorial spice because he was sauce sorry (laughs) (laughs) he was adjusting his socks during the race literally reached down to adjust his socks that is that defines posh sauce right right, there it does very sartorial yeah i mean he's (laughs) on it so i just we can end on that one on that note awesome
0: zach what were you guys talking
2: about on the latest nowhere fast uh, we were talking about qualifiers for Zwift Worlds. So we've got UCI sponsoring Zwift Worlds coming in December. And I, you know what? I give USA Cycling credit. Like, there was a lot of pushback in the Zwift community, and they were like, well, because UCI said they have to be in the testing pool. And so everyone's like, well, what are we going to get, like, Michael's boy, maybe the Koos Boos, uh, to, you know, be our representative? And they said, you know what? We're going to have tryouts. We're going to do this democracy style, and we're going to put these riders in the doping pool, testing pool, sorry. Not doping. I'm
0: sorry. Freudian slick. That was the 80s. That was the 80s. Okay.
2: Um, The funny thing is, is that they didn't host it on Zwift. They hosted it on RGT Cycling. So that was kind of funny. Um, So we had some good chats about that. But yeah, they held held a race. They qualified three spots. Uh, A local Wisconsin guy that, again, I have to point out that I beat in a cyclocross race. The one cyclocross race I won, it was him and I, and he just kept crashing. Um, And I beat him. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I thought that was really neat. So we, we, we covered that and, um, you know, talked about the racing and what we thought of our GT cycling, this new platform. So yeah, you should check it out. It's a fun uh, project. Kevin Bouchard hall, all of you East coasters probably know him. He is a minor cycling internet celebrity. Uh, and then a buddy of mine, Mike Swart out of Madison, who knows just like all this, like he's up on everything's whiffed, which is just awesome that there's someone that cares that much. So, uh, check it out. It's on the white angle podium. It's called nowhere fast.
0: Yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun. I have enjoyed I, it's 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 one I always look forward to when it when it comes out and it's over on uh, wideanglepodium.com. Something that's not on wideanglepodium.com. Any any anything going on in the Yeah, you ride podcast world? I, I saw a couple in my queue. I need to catch up.
1: Yeah, we had a latest episode called Big Dumb Moves, where um myself and my host Townsend Myers and Matt Kite discuss with Thomas Gibbons about whether or not vanderpolt is a tactician and you know you know if, if you treat every problem as a nail and you're hammer does that is that a smart thing so we get into we get into all the big dumb moves over the last year al philippe um you know it's not really a results show more of a shit talking show
0: you know like any good chat with friends perfect awesome all right uh what do i have going on the cxc check you all could uh, check out there over on the uh wide angle podium youtube channel go subscribe go watch those videos little guys got i think like seven race previews he put up two days ago so check all those out as well and he almost called the flanders podium that was pretty amazing he the guy he, they yeah. may look like silly little videos but you know if you're betting real money you should be listening to what he's putting out there all right guys we'll uh we'll do this again next week The Grodio Podcast.